2017. I'm a week late. It is what it is. Having technical difficulties. Y'all be all right. Um, not only we have a technical, uh, did I have technical difficulties with my laptop, but this interview was supposed to come out <laughs> last year. But, you know, we recorded it and then Zencaster was like, nah, bruh. So here we are again with the lovely Leah V. So who the hell is Leah V? <coughs> Excuse me. Leah V is a 20-something style blogger, novelist, writer, and body-positive activist from Detroit. She has a BS in business, an MA in creative writing, and an MFA in publishing. When she isn't blogging for Beauty and the Muse, Muslim Girl, and Dora's Ajar magazine, she is passionately advocating for girls of color that read and creating brown heroines who kick ass in futuristic worlds. Good morning, or good morning. I'm saying good morning because it's morning when we're recording this, but no one's going to know that when they listen to it, but... What's up? I'm like Leah V. Like a slum. going on? We're doing this again. Hopefully uh, Zencaster <laughs> doesn't say nah, bruh, and then make us do it a third time. But thank you so much for doing this for, for me again, because um, I know your schedule is, is goo-goo crazy. So thank you so much. You're welcome. So let's get into this. Talk briefly about your work in the fashion industry and as a body-positive a body positive image. I don't, I, that didn't make sense, but just talk about the work you're doing as a body positive image activist. Is that what it is? Um, well, we just call it body positive activists uh, okay. involved in like the body positive movement. Um, yeah, so I started blogging back in two, 2013, and it, I really wasn't thinking about anything um, other than trying to, I guess, Kind of spread a little bit of creativity and also um, show different girls and women that, you know, you can be kind of like, I guess, fat and fabulous. Um, I had mm-hmm. a lot of body issues growing up. A lot of people didn't know I did because I kept a secret. Uh, but I had a couple eating disorders and I would really obsess over my weight. Um, I'd like, I would do these crazy diets. Um I wouldn't eat in public with my friends. Like, I wouldn't wear certain things due to my weight. So it was, like, a constant thing. It was never something that wasn't on my mind. How I looked to other people and how I felt about, like, myself just was just pretty negative. So I started blogging in 2013 after <clears throat> um, gaining some weight. And, um, I don't know, I used to go to different shows. People would be like, oh, are you, like, a model? Or are you a designer? And I was like, okay, so this might be, I might be onto something. So my blog was totally horrible, totally hideous, um, but people was really digging it. They're like, oh, my God, like, you're you're black, you're fat, you're Muslim. Um, give us, like, more. So, and I mean, my pictures were, like, so grainy. The content was so horrible. But, like, they were, they, they were digging it. Um, uh, I got a couple features. I tried to go to New York Fashion Week, crashed that, and I got a little, a couple features there. Ooh. So, um, yeah, so started blogging. 
I didn't really start understanding, I guess, the reach of the body positive move- movement until I was a little bit more into blogging. Um, so two years into it, I started like following all these different people who are part of the body positive movement and a lot of like plus models and a lot of like beauty and style bloggers um, who were blogging regularly and getting features and getting um, all these like commercials and these dove campaigns. They were like, they were big and fabulous. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, I think I'm a, I'm a part of something that is much more bigger than just myself. It's much more bigger than just blogging or, or talking about beauty products or talking about clothes. So last year I totally rebranded my website to be more body positive heavy, um, to be more, to include social, social justice, to include like mental illness, to include all these things that um, make us us and the body positive movement is basically it's a stigma that it's only for fat people or curvy bodies or, or fluffy bodies when it's really for all bodies so basically the body positive movement is to embrace the body you have now instead of trying to I guess dream or fit into this mold of a body that you do not have and trying mm-hmm. to kill yourself to get to this perfect body that you may or may not get one day so just have fun now travel now like just just be you right now and love it adore it accept it and try to be the best person you can be with the body you have now so that's in a nutshell and I'm pretty proud to be a part of it nice and how does the Muslim factor how does being Muslim factor into that if it does at all especially given you know, how, as, you know, the whole modesty discussions and just, you know, how some sisters are. (laughs) So, you know, how did that, I mean, how did that factor into it? Did it, did people give you issues? Was it cool? Yeah, I think, so when I first started, well, just like off rip, I've always been, um, (laughs) I never really dressed like, um, a traditional Muslim even prior to becoming a blogger, people always had issues with it. Um, of course, you know, because I'm Muslim and there's a certain way you dress. So, like, I would teeter on the line of dressing traditional, but sometimes not. So when I started blogging, um, a lot of a lot of Muslims were definitely not with it. But I wasn't really catering to them, so it didn't really matter. Um, of course, like, I have my own struggles of being Muslim and trying to you know, follow the rules and try to dress um, like I should, but it didn't involve them whatsoever. So um, kind of like moving a little forward into the blogging, the um, everybody else who was not Muslim seemed to pretty, pretty much embrace it. And to them, I was dressing very modestly, but to the Muslims, I wasn't dressing modestly at all. So it was like this push and pull of, okay, you have this group of people that are not digging it and sometimes openly speak about it and sometimes speak about it behind closed doors. And then you have like everybody else who was like non-Muslim who was like, Oh my gosh, dress so modestly. Like, you know, this is amazing. It's different. We've never seen it before. We love it. So it was definitely, and it still is now this push and pull of, I guess, spirituality and religion versus my art form. So it's definitely um, something that I keep in mind when I'm doing photo shoots or um, thinking about, concepts to different projects that I do um I've had some people tell me and it's actually funny because the pictures that are not 
that I consider modest sometimes are the ones that get attacked because like I have way worse pictures on my mm-hmm. Instagram like this one Muslim um I had a two a, a full two tool skirt on and a shirt and my hijab wrapped properly and this one um I guess this Muslim troll he uh, basically said that this is not Islam um you can see her form and I'm just like this is really crazy oh, because God. I have way worse photos. I have a turban and tight shirt and like you choose to attack a picture that's actually pretty modest. So you, you definitely have like um, the Muslim trolls that come out the bushes uh, talking crazy. But again, like that's something that I struggle with already. So I don't really need them to point that out because I already know it. Um, and then you get on top of like the, the Muslim shamers, you get the body shamers that make comments about, you know, my body being fat or they're tired of seeing fat people one time this guy called me the charmin the charmin bear um from from the tissue commercial so it's like you get kind of attacked from um both sides um so i mean i think it just comes to the territory so yeah i would have flipped it though like you know the charmin bear making paper so i'm all right with it we did flip it like my whole community we flipped it around so we're like the charmin bear is very lovable very huggable he's very cute money <laughs> he has that bread he's making money out here in the street so <laughs> you've got all types of honey up in his kitchen exactly um exactly <laughs> you have mentioned traditional muslim what is what is that i guess in your opinion what is traditional muslim um well i, I didn't i said traditional like like garb like traditional clothes like i don't well, what's that i mean okay so this is so when i say traditional i mean like more like following the rules that, that's what I mean when I say traditional. So I don't like to say, uh, use the word modern Muslim. Uh, I don't really like to use those words. So I try to use like, you know, traditional or someone who like follows more of the rules. So to me, like um, a traditional um, garb or Muslim clothing would be like, you know, the loose fitting clothing, you know, very modest, like not showing your shape. Um, and then the hijab, you know, that's covered, you know, covering your neck. You know, traditional, like the rules say, like only showing your feet you know, face and hands, like, um, that's what I would say is more, like, traditional Muslim garb. Now, as far as being a traditional Muslim or a Muslim that actually follows, like, most of the rules, I don't think that that's possible for me to answer because right now, like, the the way I see Muslims now and the way I I think about, like, the world and religion and spirituality, it's it's so much different. I've seen Muslims who have the turban who have the big ass beard and who have, you know, all of the garb on on the outside, but are very evil inside. Not to say that everyone who wears traditional Muslim garb is evil, but I've seen some evil Muslims or experienced them and they, they, they look like great Muslim upstanding citizens and they're just not good people. And I've also seen Muslims who don't wear hijab, you know, who don't wear um, traditional Muslim garb and they're amazing people. So um, I, I don't know what a, traditional Muslim is, but I do know what, like, you should be wearing on our bodies and how we should be, you know, looking kind of, like, on the outside. Yeah, I just, when people start talking about, you know, traditional Muslim clothes, I just feel like, okay, what are you talking about? Because oftentimes, in my experience, it's basically, you know, jilbabs, abayas, black, and I'm like, that's not realistic, and that's not even, technically, it's not required, you know, it's like, I think Islam makes it What's the word? It, it's not as strict as people want it to be. People want you to do what they do, right. you know, in order to make them feel comfortable, especially when you have some sort of notoriety or whatever. 
Yeah, like, I, yeah, I believe that too. Yeah, I don't believe it should be like the black, the jillabab, and abaya. I do believe I've it's never worn a jillabab or an abaya. I mean, I've worn them. They're cute. I haven't. And it's not a shot at anybody, but it's just growing up in an environment where I know my culture. I know where I came from. I'm, I love colors and African prints and all that. And I can still do that. It still look cool, you know? Right. And then even with some of the women, like, well, I can see your shape. First of all, when you're talking about black women and their bodies, <laughs> Some of them shapes are just, they're just going to be seen. And it's because, you know, you, you got a big top and a bigger bottom and a little waist. You can put on the biggest jillbab you want. If it's not made for your body, <laughs> you're going to see it, you know? Yeah. So I just feel like there's always this conversation on what Muslim women specifically should look like, what should be on their bodies, what should be on their heads, or how even like now the whole turban thing, and I don't even like using that term, this, this whole phenomenon now you got everybody in their mama that used to clown us for wearing our head like our hair wrap like that who wanted that's a whole nother conversation let me stick with because i could go on a tangent like it just okay. hurts me to know oh it hurts me so bad okay um <clears throat> so outside of blogging um do you have any like what's some of your other work in terms of with body image positivity or the fashion industry outside of blogging or is it just um is it just strictly within blogging? Yeah, um, I do a multitude of things, which I'm trying to kind of sort of change for this year because I got a little um, burnt out last year. It went a little crazy a couple times. You know how artists go crazy. Um, so, yeah, uh, I do. I'm not really, I'm not trying to clown nobody, really. But uh, I'm not an Insta blogger where it's just like, oh, I'm just like on Instagram, like stunting or whatever. Like, there are a lot of Insta bloggers who just stay online. I try to take my work outside online, the online world, because I feel like, you know, um, uh, online, it's like you can create all these personas uh, and that you want to be. And it's sometimes scary. So I always tell people, um, let's, let's go do outside things. Like, let's take our work to the streets or to an event or even just one-on-one if I'm just, like, mentoring a person who has like um, body issues or weight issues or something like that. So yeah, I'm definitely like, you know, on, I'm, I'm like to be on the ground with, with my work. So whether it's, um, I found that the photo shoots that I've done, so I've done quite a bit, especially last year, like people were like popping like out of like everywhere, like Leah, let's, let's do a shoot. Let's do a conceptual shoot. So I feel like, um, yeah, with the photo shoots, I feel like those are pretty powerful aside from the blogging. Um, so when I do a photo shoot, it's really serious. I think people will be like, oh, she's just taking really bomb-ass pictures. Like, uh, no, it is a whole Legit, situation right. before a photo shoot, and I am dead. When I'm in front of the camera, I'm like literally, <laughs> like up until that moment when the first flash hits, I am dead because like it is a whole situation. It is like sometimes months of planning. So it's like, um, yeah, so when I do these photos, it's always trying to bring, uh, elicit some type of, type of conversation. So I don't just do these okie doke photo shoots where it's like, oh, okay, no, I want you to look at, I want you to like, look at it from like top to bottom. And I want it to be a conversation. She has a hijab on, she has a turban on. What does that mean to her as a woman? Like, is she feminist? Is she this? Is she oppressed? Like, what does she have on? Like, what does her face say? Is it, you know, what kind of um, emotion does she have? Like, you know, I want it to be a conversation piece. 
which I feel like I've accomplished a lot of times. Because I ask people, like, what do you feel about this photo? Like, you know, trusted people or even strangers. Like, you know, what is this? What kind of, like, emotion or, like, conversation is this photo eliciting? Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool to have people, like, be spot on with what I was trying to get. And, like, they tell me, like, what they feel. And I'm like, okay, that's exactly what I wanted you to, wanted you to get from this photo. But I feel like a lot of times I do things with shock value too. So like Ooh, I, I want you to I want you to be shocked by the photo. I want you to be like, oh my God, she's Muslim, but she's like she's doing like this like um like bombshell look or like you know she's it's a little sexy in there. It's a little gritty, it's a little sexy in the photos. So it's a it's it's risque for 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 a black Muslim girl that's fat. It's high fashion, you know. It's art, you know. So it's expression. So I try to, like, with my photo shoots, aside from the blogging, do these things. And also, like, doing events, um, talking to, like, young girls. Like, I'm supposed to be doing um, a talk with some young girls uh, in the next week or so about entrepreneurship. And then I'm supposed to be going to another school and talking um, to the students about uh, being an author, being a writer, um, nice. questions about that. So, um, yeah, it goes, it, it goes way past blogging for me. Nice. And you mentioned being a an author and a writer. You wrote a book. Whoop, whoop. So tell us a little bit about the book. Oh, goodness. The book is crazy. Um, <laughs> if you're a fan of Maze Runner or Hunger Games, um, and there's this other book called Orleans, which is very, um, people don't really know about this book. Um, Orleans is a pretty amazing book. Uh, written by African American author, so definitely check that out. And also, like this other book, Knots and Crosses. She's a UK author. If you like those type of books, where it's like very dystopian, very futuristic, very gritty, in this time where the government is not so good and the gap between the rich and the poor has widened. So for my book, it is. Um, I guess it would be an Afrofuturistic dystopian um, fictional area. Um, it's basically about these three teens that try to overtake the government. Um, in this world, um, African Americans have um, enslaved Europeans, so it's pretty. It's very gritty. It's very feminist. Um, it's very cool. It just basically follows the relationships of people um, and how you start one way, and over the course of these traumatic events in your life or great events in your life, how you just change. Um, it is very character-driven. Um, it is light sci-fi. So if you like sci-fi, it's not like high fantasy where it's like, I can't understand what's going on. It's very um, easy to, to digest. But also with the adventure part of it, of these teens trying to overtake this this um, tyrannical government, there's also themes of um, social justice, feminism, um, like the slave mentality, um, capitalism but it's it's it, it, it there's themes of it but it's still a fun read so it's heavy but at the same time it's not so it's pretty it's pretty cool i've gotten pretty good reviews nice nice and what's the name of it impure impure Ooh, yeah impure. nice and where did this jump from the fashion industry to sci-fi come from like was that always something you wanted to do was there is there any correlation is it just like this is just another part of leah that y'all need to know yeah, um, people um, ask that quite a bit when I tell them that I'm a sci-fi writer. Uh, they're like, what? <laughs> I'm just like, they're like, how is this possible? <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Well, first of all, um, I've been writing um, stories, like, way before the fashion, way, way before Leah V became Leah V. 
I was a writer and a heavy reader. Um, so mm. sci-fi and Sailor Moon and X-Men and Batman, like that was like my, that was the stuff for me. And um, I had a very kind of um, tumultuous um, childhood. Um, so I used stories, uh, fictional stories to get away from my life. So it carried on into adulthood. Um, so I actually wrote like four, four books, but I only got that one public, self-published. Um, so like I write all the time. Like I have so many stories, nonfiction and fiction. And um, I've always been into fashion. I've always admired models too. So I feel like um, that's like why my blog is called Beauty in the Muse because like I have a split personality where I have this beauty side where it's like, okay, it's diva. It's, you know, it's fabulous. It's catwalk. It's high fashion. But I also have like this muse part where I'm learning and I'm reading, I'm writing stories and I'm in, you know, I'm in sweats, you know, acne on my face, stretch marks on, on, on my chest, you know? So it's <laughs> like, it's these two, um, these two identities colliding. So I don't really know if there's a correlation between the two. I usually don't correlate. Like, of course, I'm a writer at heart um, and a blogger. So I just like try to keep it kind of separate. Um, I don't think it's, it's kind of hard to to mesh the two together. So I usually keep them separate. Okay. And um, sh- switching gears, because you had talked about your upbringing. Let's just delve into that. Um, oh, no. As, well, I'm not going <laughs> to. No, no you can, so I'm, I'm pretty open about it. Go ahead. <laughs> what? No, because we only got a little limited amount of time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, but just, um, just in terms of um, being a black Muslim in the fashion industry, it's just being a black Muslim in America, but I guess starting specifically within your industry, what has been the reception that you've gotten, not only from the industry itself, but from other Muslims since now, you know, quote unquote, Muslim fashion is the thing and everyone's trying to capitalize off of this, you know, this demographic of women who have been making their own clothes for some time, but now you have the H&Ms and the, um, Somebody did a Ramadan line. I can't remember the name. Uh, oh, well, I can't remember the name. I'm sorry. You know, I'm not that into fashion like the rest of you The fact is that now people are starting to catch on right. to the fact that Muslim women buy clothes. So right. being, you know, a model and being a, a, a black Muslim woman in this industry, what's been the reception that you've gotten from both sides? Um, it's really funny because... Um, as you know, because we're both black Muslims, we're here. Um, the when I, when I first started blogging, I did not um, actually put myself out there as a Muslim blogger. Um, I didn't want to box because I've seen like um, mostly like the Middle Eastern bloggers who are Muslim. They box themselves into this circle of like, okay, we're Muslim bloggers and we only do like, I guess I sound really bad saying we really do like Muslim stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, and it is what it is. Yeah. So um. Yeah. Okay. I'll just be candid. Yeah. So a lot of I saw the, a lot of like straight sized Middle Eastern bloggers who box themselves, you know, into like okay, we just do Muslim stuff, talk about Muslim stuff, and it's just like okay, but there's so much more going on. I mean, everything. I think everything can relate back to spirituality, but it was just like okay, I don't want to be boxed into that that demographic of blogging. So like, I never told anyone that I was Muslim when I first started blogging. Like, I would have people inbox, like, are you Muslim? I'm like, yes, I am. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so it wouldn't be, like, that big of a thing. I just started recently embracing that part and putting, okay, I'm a Muslim blogger because I have a foundation now of different people that they mm-hmm. get it. So I'm not boxed into this whole niche of just, I'm just a Muslim blogger talking about Muslim stuff. I'm talking about all types of, like, life shit, and I happen to be Muslim. Um, So, yeah, it kind of, so, like, so to answer the first part of the first part of the question, 
a lot of Muslim brands actually don't work with me because first of all, there's a couple things. I don't, I don't fit that, that mold of, um, traditional, I guess, traditional Muslim. So what mm-hmm. they want, who, who they want to work with in the Muslim uh, fashion industry is they want to work with women who look Middle Eastern or European and they have to be not fat. So I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't fit any of that. So I never get any um, businesses who are Muslim trying to work with me. I never get any, um, clothing lines that are modest trying to work with me. I get like all of my business from like, um, just like regular plus size businesses or beauty, beauty, uh, product, beauty businesses. Um, the only Muslim company, well, it's not, it's not even a Muslim company. It's just like, it just makes halal, uh, beauty, uh, products. Mm-hmm. They sent me some stuff. I think they're from Indonesia or Malaysia. Um, so they sent me some stuff and I don't even think she's like, I don't know if she's Muslim or not, but she doesn't cover it, but she sent me some beauty products. So the Muslim the whole Muslim fashion industry is very much so, so it's like, it's prejudice. Like, mm. because they only want to show a certain type of Muslim and it's just, it's very upsetting. So what I've done, which is probably not that effective, is I've kind of just shut it out altogether. I don't contact them. They don't contact me. And we keep it, we, we keep it 100 because like, there are so many different colors of Muslims. There's so many different kinds, different sizes and cultures of Muslims. And you guys only want to show the European or Middle East, the, the light colored uh, Middle Eastern woman rocking an abaya or rocking modest wear. Even like for the H&M campaign, it was a white looking Muslim girl who, who got that campaign. Um, well. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, there's that's not how all Muslims look, especially in America. We're, we're Asian and there's Latina and there's black and there's fat and there's tall. There's, you know, there's very thin, you know, there's different types of Muslim. So it's like, um, I think this year I'm going to do a little bit, try to combat that. I wrote articles against this. Of course, nobody wants to say anything. Everybody wants to keep it hush hush because like Muslims are so perfect. Um, so I mean, nobody wants to talk about the the color, the straight like colorism in the Muslim community. And it's really upsetting. And we've had conversations even with other Middle Easterns, um, who are like, kind of like, you know, down with, with the cause. And they're like, yeah, we see it too. It's like, we only see these type of girls rocking this, you know, Muslim wears is so popular now. And it's just, it's really upsetting to me. Yeah. There's actually, I was at an event a couple of weeks ago, maybe more like a couple of months ago. And um, it was hosted by, it's called Muslim Women Make. It's by a sister, Mariana Aguilera. I hope I'm saying your name right, Mariana. Um, but she's of Mexican descent. But anyway, she hosted, um, like a panel was hosted by Najma 53. I don't know if you know Najma. Uh, no, yeah. She's from Brooklyn. Everybody knows Najma. But it was talking about that, and it was talking about how, like, now where there's this, you know, national eye on Islam, what do you see the the whitest ever Muslims you can find that are supposed to be representing all Muslim women? And right. it's like, but, you know, they, they don't even, that, that's not what we look like. And it's like, you see it in everything, or how it's like the sister who covers versus that sister that doesn't cover. So, like, for example, with the Olympics, how... You know, everybody loves Iftahaj, and I do too. She's cool sister. I've met her, but she's being pushed to the forefront, but you don't hear anything about um, Dahlia, the sister who was running. She's from Queens, I think, who her father's an imam, and she was in the Olympics. She got the gold, but you don't see her being promoted because she doesn't dress a certain way. You see what I'm saying? So there's, there's always, like, this discrimination within the Muslim community. If you don't dress a certain way and if your skin is not light enough, it's like, nah, you can have a seat. We, we don't want you to represent it. And it's not fair because you can't talk about the history of Islam in America without talking about black folks. You exactly. cannot do it. 
point blank period. Exactly. There's no way around it. And yep. people constantly try to, you know, forget that. And they try to separate Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali from the black folks. Like, give me a break. Like, even when Muhammad Ali passed away and everybody was like, oh, he transcended race. I'm like, get out of here with that mess. Are you <laughs> kidding me? Y'all didn't start liking him until he couldn't talk anymore. Exactly. If Muhammad Ali could talk, he would be like Colin Kaepernick, the same person that y'all getting mad at for taking a knee. Exactly. All he did was take a knee and y'all mad. But We can't do nothing without people getting mad. We can't do nothing without no, with people trying to bury us and getting mad. Like, you cannot live life. And that's why it's so, then, imperative, it's, it's so imperative that we yeah. go so hard. We go so hard in the media. We go so hard in entertainment, like industry. We have to go so hard and like start ruffling some feathers. I feel you. That's note to myself as well, because like I need to get back on the blogging. Man, it's a who I struggle with this. Okay. but it's all right. What happened? Huh? It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Okay, I have faith. Oh, definitely. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it. Like I, I have to. But um, yeah, it's just there's this whitewashing of Islam that's happening in America that. You know, it's to make it palatable. Like, everyone wants to talk about our struggle when they're struggling, but you don't want to support us exactly. when we are struggling. You know what I'm saying? So That's like a whole is, hour conversation on that one. <laughs> listen, it's a whole, it's a whole symposium on, you know, the hypocrisy of justice within the Muslim community in America. And people don't want to talk about it, but it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. Don't talk about you... you I don't care how you feel about the nation. You don't have to subscribe to their beliefs. I don't. But you're not going to act like they didn't make Islam a household name. Right. You're not going to act like they didn't birth Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. Like, you're not going to act like they didn't birth Islam as a... They they normalized Islam. They really did. You know what I'm saying? So however you feel about them is how you feel about them. But you can't... You cannot deny their historical significance. They existed. And the work they did still stands. And it's that foundation that gives all these other people, I don't care where you're from, it's what gives you the platform to come to America and even say, I'm Muslim and I feel this way. Because of the work they put in to make the words, before the nation, nobody knew Muslim, Muhammad, Islam, Allah. Y'all didn't know those words until the nation got out there and was walking up and down Linwood talking about, you know, Muhammad speaks by this paper, Allah's greatest. You know what I'm saying? But there's this whitewashing of Muslim American history that's happening. And it really is imperative that those of us with platforms yeah. and who know better that we um, we speak on it. So note to self, Malika, get it together. It's okay. <laughs> it's a new year. We're going to we're going to we're going to definitely um, mess some stuff up. It is <laughs> like I'm, I'm coming for all everybody. I'm snatching coming for everybody. Snatching the whitewash away. Snatching it. <laughs> for real. For real. Um, how about on the other side in terms of in, in school, like I know you got your BA and you got your masters, you know, whoop, whoop, black girl magic. Yeah. Um, within, I guess, walking within the little literary world in the educational aspect, um, as a Muslim, I don't know if has that affected or what were your experiences with being a black Muslim sci-fi writer? Because uh-huh. that doesn't happen yeah. often. No. I think you may be the first black Muslim female sci-fi writer that I know. I believe so. I've done a lot of research for my um <laughs> my master's paper trying to find like um really I was trying to find like women of color who wrote like sci-fi and it was like Octavia Butler, Octavia Butler, Octavia Butler. Yes. And it's like, you know, it's like, wow, like where's where's all my people at? Where's everybody? Um I think during I went to uh, my master's uh my master's 
in creative writing. I uh, tried to go to EMU, I think, or one of those schools um, in the Burb, um, or is it uh, University of, I don't know, one of those. So, um, and they denied me um, entry into the program. So I'm like, okay, okay, I feel it, understand it. So I ended up going to um, University, um, well, Wil- Wilkes, uh, I'm sorry, Wilkes University in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And that's all the way out there with um, uh, hippies and um, free, oh, free spirits. And when I, say this, <laughs> when I say this, I mean white people. So, <laughs> so, so I was out there with them and um, I was so scared because I was there like every six months for like nine days for like this intensive, these intensive like writing situations, you know. So I was out there with them, and I was so afraid that they was going to try to beat me down because I was, like, only black. And I was Muslim. I'm like, they're going to try to get me, get me. Oh, my God. You know, Allah protects me. So I went there, and they are the most welcoming people I've ever been around in my entire life. Like, we just, we clicked. Because, like, we had a love for fiction. We had a love for nonfiction, for poetry, um, for books, for reading, um, for all of that. So we all just clicked, and they... It, it was no type of weirdness at all. Like, they got my work. Um, actually, it's funny because when I have, when I tell Muslims sometimes, not all the time, when I tell Muslims about what I write, they're like, oh, you don't write about Islam? And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm a sci-fi writer. Well, you know what? You should write about Islam. Okay, get out of my house. Oh, get, out of, get, out of, get out of my um, house now. So it's just like, um, they're actually, they're, they're pretty welcoming. Um, I will never stop writing sci-fi. I think for this year, um, I am going to step away from the sci-fi and get more into, like, nonfiction memoir type. Because everyone seems Ooh. to want to know about, like, my childhood and my upbringing. I told you it was very tumultuous. Um, and I had a very, you know, I got divorced this year. So that was, I got married really, really young. So I kind of want to write about some stories and uh, about my life. And I feel like it's going to be very therapeutic. But it's also going to be kind of, it's going to be kind of gritty. Because I've been through some things that are not so Muslim-like. And I feel like I'm going to probably get a lot of flack for it. But but I feel like this is my calling to write about my life in the truest form. Um, so a couple of situations I'm very embarrassed about. But it's me. It happened. So um, this, is, this, this, this is what I'm working on. And hopefully um, I get an agent for this book. We'll see. Inshallah. Inshallah. It'll, it'll happen. I think. Declare it. Claim it. 2017. Let's do it. It's going down. <laughs> Let's do it. It's going down. Yeah. Um, and just wrapping up because, uh, you know, I know. Wait, no, you have to, you you have to say head wrapping it up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Lord have mercy. I I don't know if I, head wrapping, I can't say. Come on, you can do it. Head wrapping it up. (laughs) I just want to say wrapping it up. That's fine. Because what if I'm talking to a guy. Head wrapping it up. And he's going to be like, just wrapping it up. So. Um, one thing I'm going to start doing, um, on my podcast, because a lot of the people that I've talked to, most of us are born Muslim. Um, some of our parents may have been born Muslim, but most of them either converted or some of them may not be Muslims, but most of us pretty much grew up teenagers and made our way through the wilderness of America as Muslims. Right. So now we have a whole new generation coming under us who are going through the same things, except they have that social media demon. My goodness, yeah. that's a um, whole nother monster we didn't have to deal with. But um, I know that there are a lot of young women out there who want to get into fashion, who, you know, express themselves with their kumars different ways and, you know, may get opposition not only from regular society, but from their own 
community or from other Muslims outside of their own personal communities. What is some advice or words of wisdom you have for this younger generation of sisters and brothers who may be into fashion who are trying to get into that world and are, you know, they're struggling, but they want to do it. What are some words of advice you have for them? Um, yeah. So when I was, um, you probably remember me when I was younger because you know each other for a long time. Or, or you might not because I don't know. But um, I remember you, but it was just like, yeah, later. <laughs> I remember. We, yeah, you know, no, I, I used to dress really crazy. Like, I used to wear all type. Like, I did not care. Like, fashion was, and expressing myself was very important, like, through my makeup, like, through my scarf, through, like, my clothes and my Spice Girl shoes. Like, I <laughs> and I, I used to dress so crazy. Like, I, like looking back on it, it's so embarrassing. But that was me. It was my expression. And that was laying the foundation to who I am now. Um, had, had I listened to other people, oh, Leah, you look like Mimi from Drew Carey. Oh, Leah, you look... <laughs> Yes, that's yes. Somebody called me that. Oh, you have too much makeup on your face. Oh, why do you have why do you have glitter on your lips? Like, why are you wearing those shoes? Like, had I listened to all these people who used to bully me about uh, the way I dress, including close friends, like I would not be who I am today. So it's it's really funny. Like I tell people this all the time: do you and be you, because at the end of the day, like that is that is who you are, and you're doing it for a reason. Like we have these feelings of like how we should dress or how we should look or how we want to put our makeup on or, or don't put makeup on. Like all of that is like laying the groundwork to who you're going to be in the future. Um, once people start like putting their own little spins and twists on who they think you should be or how you should look or sound, then that's when we start to all become these cardboard cutouts of somebody. You know what I mean? So I tell people all the time, be you, do you stay your own lane. Um, as far as like the fashion industry, experiment. Like stop trying to piggyback off other people's fashion or other people are these trends. Like I am so not trendy. You will never see me do anything trendy. Like I'll take some stuff mm. off Pinterest and create that. Now I will splice like 60s and 80s fashion. I'll take Victorian era, African print, mix that together. Like you have to always be creative. You have to always be experimental. You have to be always be willing to look stupid. And that's the, that's the part of the game because it's all learning, it's all growing. And stop listening to what other people are dictating. Stop listening to what the media says, how you should look. Quit listening to these other, like, these community members who think they have all the answer to everything. Like, you have to really be strong in who you are and have, like, this sense of self um, that you have to establish before you start to do go down any path, whether it's fashion or like beauty or, or blogging or whatever it is, like you have to have a strong sense of self. So I tell people all the time, do not let people derail you from your path, whatever that path is, and stay, and stay in your own lane. All right. You've heard it there, folks. Do what do you, man. Be like Nike and just do it, but then do you at the same time. Yep. Uh, <laughs> where can people find you on the interwebs? Oh, you can find me everywhere. So I am on... Um, Facebook, I have a Facebook fan page, which I post all types of cool stuff, Beauty and the Muse, that's on Facebook, and I have the Instagram that I keep pretty much updated all the time at LVernon2000, you can find me on my website, which is www.beautyandthemuse.net, and also I have my um, author stuff, which is at leahvernon.com. There you have it. Make sure y'all go follow her on Instagram, Facebook, hit up the blogs, websites, all that good stuff. And then after you do that, 
Make sure you follow Hair Wraps on SoundCloud and iTunes. Subscribe, like, all that fun stuff. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as well, Malika313BK, M-A-L-I-K-A-H, 313BK. Thank you so much, Leah. I appreciate it. Hopefully this one, Ben Caster doesn't say, nah, brother, this one. No. Because uh, <laughs> last time I was just like, what in the world? But thank you so much. Well, I greatly appreciate it. And um, hopefully you come do a book reading in New York. Uh, most deaf. Most deaf. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, bye.